We got the mic working, so we're going to keep going. I want you to keep a focus on this series we're doing in the wild by turning to Exodus chapter 17 as we continue this series of messages in the wild. How do we live when things are this wild? Got this many concerns, this many problems, this many issues. We've we spent time as a church focusing on how could God let the church diaspora spread out. All of this stuff is in the Bible. None of this stuff that's happening is outside the scriptures. It's all here. And so we can make decisions based on how the word of God guides us. It's all here. Okay? It's all here. We're not new to this. And so what is God teaching us during this time? And how we should operate during this time? Now let's look at Exodus chapter 17. And as we continue through this series of messages into verse 8. Into verse 8. And this is what he says. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel as Rehadim. So Moses, son of Joshua, chose men for us. Choose men for us and go out. Fight against Amalek tomorrow. I will station myself on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his, uh, his hand up. And Israel prevailed, and when he led his hands down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it onto him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. And he said, the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war against Amalek. From generation to generation. Dear God, we thank you for your words. We thank you, God, that you are the one that know all things. And it's in your hands that we trust and believe for everything. We pray this message would help us as a church and as a people to remain focused in these times. To not be controlled by circumstance to be controlled by your will and to trust you even when things look so dismal. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This is a very interesting story and I'm going to tell you why it's an interesting story. And the reason being is because God decided that they will not fight against the Philistines. When we started this whole thing out, he said, nope, you're not going to fight against the Philistines because you're going to lose your heart. You're going to become overwhelmed, troubled. You can't fight them. They're going to wear you out. So God decided, nope, let's get you away from the Philistines. We're going to walk you in this direction, 
And sure enough, that started a war that God wanted. But it was God's war. God's war was with the Egyptians. Why? They enslaved his people. He allowed them to be in this land. And in allowing them to be in this land, they decided to enslave them and to beat them up pretty bad, as you would see with Moses killing the Egyptian. So God says, you know what? You did that to my people. We got to fight. And then the people believed that Pharaoh was a god. And so in believing that Pharaoh was a god, God had to show them he's the Lord God. So God picked a fight. God literally said that this is my fight. So he picked a fight with Pharaoh, let Pharaoh see them going back and forth along the Red Sea. And Pharaoh said, you know what? Let's go take these people out. They ain't leaving here. We're going to kill them. We're going to wipe them out. And we're going to bring whoever back into slavery so we don't have to take care of things like we got used to taking care of stuff around here. So Pharaoh decided to go out and God says, that's no problem. There's no need to fight. Take that stick put it over the Red Sea, used the Egyptians to drive them into a, a, across the Red Sea because they were always fussing and going on about the Red Sea, how high it is, how are we going to make it. We need to go back into slavery because you, old Moses, has brought us out here to die. So because of their attitude, God used the Egyptians to drive them into the sea to get them across so they could be baptized all at one time into the wilderness. They go into the wilderness, and now they're there, you would think they would go, yeah, God is great. No matter what we face, we got this. No matter what we face, we got this. So we see the Egyptians' bodies washing up. We see God open up the Red Sea. It couldn't have been just a small little path now. It's got to be a wide, wide path. Wide, wide path. Two million people are going down that path. It's got to be a huge path. Can't be no two-lane highway. It's got to be like a 20-lane highway for them to make it down that path. And it's dry. And, and, and you have to understand that they have to see the power of God because the words they're using saying the Red Sea was very deep. So that means that the way, the way the water is high, higher than this sanctuary, way high. And they're walking in the middle of it and it's got to be making a lot of noise as they walk through it. So God put that army on their back to make them get through it. God, they get through it and the first thing they did to the first problem they faced was to grumble against God. They're fussing at God that he didn't do this. And God, why we got to do this? We don't have the food we want to have. We're thirsty. And they're grumbling and they're fussing and they're complaining and they're going on and back and forth. And God says, you know what? It's time for you to have a fight. It's time for you to have a fight. The first fight, couldn't deal with it. Philistines, no, you don't want to deal with the Philistines. They were a pain. And you see the kind of pain the Philistines were as you keep reading about Israel and the Philistines. They were a pain. They, they were some tough soldiers. Goliath was one of the mighty men that they had, a nine-foot tall person. I mean, they, they, were, they were tough dudes to fight. They were nine-foot, strong, big, strapping. No, don't go deal with them, folk. Let's deal. I'll fight the Egyptians, but God decided that this is their fight. You know, many times when we come to problems that we are facing right now, and God has shown us over and over again how he's taking care of us. He, he's allowed us to go through sickness. He's allowed us to go through all kinds of issues in this pandemic. No matter what this pandemic has brought us, he has carried you through. Some of you, yes, some people have not gone through it on a red carpet with trumpets blowing. But you made it through. Okay? For the worst of the pandemic, is not here anymore because most of the people have been vaccinated. Not most, but yeah, over half have been vaccinated. People have at least 
help us to bring this thing down. So at this point in time, God has kept you. God has watched over you. Many families have struggled. Many marriages have struggled. But God has, keeps bringing you through. Your kids are going out to school. And God has kept them. There's so many things that could happen to them that could destroy their lives. And God continued to preserve them. And it's not, you could say it's the shot. You could say it's all of that. Like the guy who jumped off the Manhattan Bridge there. And on the way down, he decided to commit suicide. But he changed his mind on the way down. And he begged God, God, please save my life. And he's begging God all the way down. And he hits the water. And when he comes back up, the guy says, how do you survive that? He goes, well, you see, when I hit the water, it came, I hit it at a certain angle. And I was able to spin over so I could hit it on my feet rather than on my head. And since I hit it at a certain angle and it went to my feet rather than my head, I made it. He forgot about the fact that he prayed all the way down. See, some of us been praying when the COVID was really bad. God, help us. We don't know. Hold on to my job, God. Please watch over me. Now we're here, and God has done all these different things, has taken care of us. Some people with many illnesses, we're now complaining again. God, I got to wear this stupid mask still. When we can get this mask off of here? God, I am tired of going out and have to do this, have to do that. So sometimes God says, you know what? When I have done this much for you, I'm going to put you in a fight. See, understand, many times we think that God has forgotten about me because look at the struggles I'm going through. Look at the pain I'm going through. Where is God? I'm crying out to him. I'm begging God. Come help me, God. And God seems to be silent and quiet. And God is going, when have you ever left my hands? When? How do you function so you don't lose your mind and constantly remind yourself that you're in God's hands? Because God's hands don't mean that you wouldn't be in a fight. God's hands don't mean you wouldn't be in a war. God's hands just means you win it, but it don't mean you're going to be in the war. You see, folks, that's what he's showing us here. God decided that they're going to go into a war. And the funny thing about this war is they're fighting against a relative. They're fighting against somebody that they have, they're related to. Amalek is the grandson of Esau. Esau doesn't like Jacob. They had a grudge. And if you're going to Deuteronomy, we don't have the time for that. You're going to Deuteronomy, you're going to find that <laughs> the Amalek, and his tribe of people that were nomadic, they kept moving around just if they see a weakness over here, then they just go take all the people's crop and go on about their business living. They just kept moving around just creating havoc. So they weren't around Esau and his tribe. They choose to go around and do their own thing. So the Amaleks were a pain to Israel, a pain. They wouldn't even let them move through the land at a certain time. So it made it hard and difficult for them. And they come up against them. And God says, right there in verse 8 of chapter 17 of Exodus, he says, Then Amalek came and fought against Israel. A fought, meaning, meaning, I love the way this is set up. you got to see this in the Hebrew text. He says, Amalek came and fought. But the word that the Hebrew writer picks says, Amalek came and fight against Israel. People who God will arm. 
which, you have to see the word. It's actually not saying fought. It's actually saying they came up and they're going to fight like somebody walking into the ring and trying to fight somebody. No, 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 no. The Bible is actually saying they came to fight, but God was ready for the fight. Now, you got to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is not ready for this fight. They don't have any swords like these people do. They were slaves. They weren't allowed to carry swords. So whatever weaponry they had, they had to make shift this weaponry in the wilderness. Because they, they weren't allowed to carry weapons. So they are literally have little daggers and little swords that are not as strong and powerful swords as these people coming up against them. It's like, it's like going up against a group of people that got tanks and machine guns and all you got is a little pistol. Are you trying to go up against these folks? They got M16s. They got all these powerful weapons. They've got satellites over them. They got all this stuff. And all you got is a few daggers and some pistols. And God said, I got this. Please understand, when you go to the fight, when God sets up something, whether it's a job that is driving you crazy, whether it's marriage that may have its tensions, whether it's health issues you're fighting, whether it's depression feelings you're fighting, what is the pain of losing a loved one and you're struggling to get past that? God is saying, I have already equipped you, but my equipment will never look like you think it should look. Because I don't need you to be as equipped as the world wants you to be. My equipment is different than the equipment the world provides. So when you look through your eyes, I can't make it. You're right. But when you look through his eyes, you got victory. That's what he is saying. He's saying, I, don't give, I didn't give them all the weaponry because it's not their fight. Because it's a fight I led them to. And many times it's like that, folks. You got to provide for your family. You got to provide for your children as a single parent. People on the job has made it difficult and hard. People on the job has made it a wear out situation. But that's the best paying job you can have. And you know you can't just walk off that job, especially in the times that we're in. You want to ask yourself, God, why would you keep letting me have to go here? God is going, it's my fight. God, why would you let me have to, you're telling me, this is what I got to do in marriage. This is what I got to do in marriage. And I don't want to do it. This is my fight. Just do it. God, I'm tired of being single. I'm tired of this loneliness and single life. You're telling me I've got to stay pure. I've got to do these different things. Your word keep telling me all these things, God, and I have a hard time making it. And God says, it's my fight. That's why you're not equipped the way the world says. They're not equipped for this. This war is way above, beyond them. They're not equipped. It's horrible. And that's why he says, the first thing you have to do is decide to face your challenges. You have to decide that. I've watched all the years that I've been pastoring and counseling people. There are people that like to run. God has taught me that. The whole past that they have been in is people who, when they go through problems, I'm out of here. They're seeing people walk, fathers, mothers, relatives, just walk. So every time there's a problem, the first thing to think about to do is, I ain't got to deal with this. Deuce. They're gone. And they think that way. Even when they come to church membership, somebody says something they don't like, just say, didn't say it the right way or... You know, uh, it's too many black folk around here. I don't know if I want to be here. Or too many, not enough, this person, that situation. They don't speak this way. They don't do this way. Poof, they run. The problem with running is, in James chapter 1 says, he decides the trials. 
get to decide them. So when you run, you're only running from one thing to the very next thing to the very next thing to the very next thing. That's why a lot of times, even if you see, if you see statistics that the world produces, people that divorce one time, their second marriage is a higher percentage that will divorce. Higher percentage. So 50% of the people that get married divorce, it's going to be 70% in the second marriage that divorce. We think we're running from something. What we're doing is we're running for somebody to marry somebody who's not like the person I just left. Only to find out that was worse. We're running from a job to say, I'm going to find some people I can really get along with. I can really deal with this job and I have to deal with all this crazy stuff. And you're running to the per to another job and guess what? Dressed in a different suit, dressed in a different dress. It's the same people. Just different strokes with different folks. Same people. Why? Because you don't get to decide the fight. When you are walking with God, when you choose to walk in the will of God like they're doing, leave Egypt. Go through the Red Sea. This is where I, the path I want you to take. I'm giving you a fire. I'm giving you a cloud. And I'm saying which direction you're taking to the wilderness because I'm the one out front telling you where to go. I'm taking this path, and I've taken this path knowing that Amalek is right around the corner here, knowing Amalek is going to be doing what he's doing, and I picked this path. I knew Amalek is going to come. And even though they come well ready to fight and to go to war, and I know you don't have the equipment that you need to have, you're going to go fight. You don't get to pick your fight. You get to decide how God wants you to the fight. The minute you keep picking your fight, God says, you're on your own. Go to the Philistines then. Fight them. The nation of Israel says, we're going to go into the promised land. We don't care what you say. We're going to go in here. We're going to do what we got to do. And guess what God says? Well, go then. I'm not stopping. You got a free will. Go. And what do they do? Die. I didn't lead you that way. You chose to go that way. So go fight. They died. You see, folks, the first thing that I've learned in my life, I've probably driven my family crazy on this. Okay, things are going tough. Let's sit down as a family. We're going to walk our way through. But it is, okay, what's the path? What is God teaching us? We're going through. You never back away from God in the height of a trouble. That's when you pray harder. That's when you fight harder. That's when you hold your faith stronger. And the person that lives inside of you is the Holy Spirit. And he's there to guide you. That's when you become dependent. Watch this in verse 9. In the wild, you don't fight for yourself. In the wild, <laughs> you let God fight for you. Because I, I don't have the time for this. But when you look at this, you would see... The tenses he's using is, these people are going to be a pain to you. They ain't going nowhere. They're not just coming to fight you this one time. They're going to keep fighting you. you. You know, cancer keeps fighting you. Depression keeps fighting you. Health issues keep fighting you. Diabetes keep fighting you. Arthur is still there. He ain't leaving you. You prayed for Arthur. To leave the house, leave your body. But Arthur keeps showing up. Okay, in case you don't know, arthritis. <laughs> Just so you may follow me. 
You keep showing up and it's there all the time. The mortgage payment, still a struggle every month. <laughs> Going to work and dealing with crazy folks, still a struggle. The bills are still coming in hot. They land in that mailbox. You wish you could move your mailbox. They come in. Now they go paperless on you. I got tricked into that this week. I like the paper. I pressed the wrong button this week, and I had the time to go back and figure out how to send me the paper. I'm too busy to get this signal on my phone. I got too many signals on my phone. Matter of fact, I was in a room, a meeting someday, one day, and the guy says, man, your phone just keeps lighting up. I said, yep. I thought to myself, that's why I like paper. <laughs> I got a lot of lighting up. My phone is like a Christmas tree. You may send me a signal, and I may miss it. I hate landing from Africa. When you land from Africa back into America, the guy laughed at me. I put my phone on the little tray, and it's beeping. You get caught up. You get caught up in everything you missed when you land back into the country. Understand, folks, he's not saying these problems are going away. He's just saying he is not going away. See, he says his people are sticking with him. They're going to fight with them. But look, look, look at what he says here. Don't go find all these fighting men. Get some chosen ones. I like that. I like that. You got to, you say, God, come on, man. Come on, come on, come on, come on. God, God, we need everybody we can fight. No, no, we don't even have the equipment, God. No, just get me the chosen ones. God, you're not understanding. These guys are some big-time warriors. This is what they do every day. They go to war. That's what they, uh, the Amalekites uh, do. The Amalekites, they go to war. They fight. That's what they do every day. That's what they go about doing. Are you going to tell us right now? Go pick chosen men? Yes. Go find people that are chosen. People that are crazy enough to stand up here, look at 500 a thousand men in front of them and only see a few people standing with them and say, let's do this. I need them kind of people. I want you to, want you to come for a minute to Ephesians chapter 1. Just in case you think, I ain't that kind of person, God. That's why you need to move my trials away. You need to lessen my load because <laughs> I ain't one of them people. I want to find some peace in my life. The Bible is going to tell you today. That peace is the fruit of the Spirit. Peace isn't the struggles in your life. The struggles in your life are not going away. I wish I could tell you that. I wish I could be that preacher that sing you that song. Oh, your troubles are going away. Just go touch the car and God going to bless you. Throw some oil in the air and your hair will come back on your head. And, and just God has got a word for you today. And just reach out and God will bless you. I hear a word from God. I'm not going to lie to you. The Bible says you're going to have storms. You're going to have plagues. The Bible says don't be surprised when you face various trials as if something strange is happening to you. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. He is saying in this world you will have temptation. He is telling us what the world looks like. You know? And if we don't focus on how he describes the world, we're going to be singing a song and then get mad at God. God, why? I'll never forget this day. I'll never forget it. It broke my heart. In the Family Life Center, I happened to be walking down the hall, and this woman was walking around the building. I'm going, ma'am, you okay? 
I don't know why she was just walking around. I said, ma'am, 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 stop crying. What's going on? She goes, God hates me. God hates me. God, what? I said, ma'am, come, come in my office. God don't hate you. So what do you mean God don't hate me? How can my life be like this? I'm going, God is love. How could God who is love like water is wet? Water could never be dry. Water is by its very nature wet. So how can God who's by his very nature love hate you? Well, I don't, yeah, everybody getting blessed around me and I'm not blessed. I see folks with new cars, new jobs. I see people around me getting blessed and God ain't blessing me. So who told you that God is blessing them? They may be using credit cards and in debt to their neck and trying to act like they're blessed. They, 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 they are, you don't know what they're going through. So, but I, I want those blessings too. So, ma'am, define blessings. So, so you're trying to tell me somebody in the backwoods in the country of America that is living in the backwoods of Alabama that may have eight kids, that is able to feed those kids out of the crop, that is able to take care of their family, that may not be having the fancy car, but those kids love each other. The, the husband and wife love each other. And the people are, they have, they have what God has given them. They may have the house that they could put. They may have a bucket sitting over here, but they got a place to put their heads under. And they're a happy group of people. You're trying to tell me, they're not blessed? You're trying to tell me folks in India that live off the land, they're not blessed? You're trying to tell me you have to have a car first, a house first, internet first, all this stuff before you're blessed? Do you mean you're trying to tell me that 80% of the world is not blessed? Because about only 10% of the world has what you are dreaming for. Now, you know, ma'am, what you're actually saying is that Jesus was not blessed. What do you mean? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Second, he said, foxes have holes. Bird of the air have nests. The son of man has no place to lay his head. So are you trying to tell me that Jesus, while he walked on earth, wasn't blessed? How are you defining blessed? Obviously, she didn't like me that day. Because when we come to situations, we don't realize that God has chosen us to be at war. We are chosen for this. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. That's why sometimes the sinner seems to be doing fine. But we're not. Satan is not at war with the sinner. He got them. Satan wants to come to war against us. He don't have us. And if he make us look bad, guess what? The sinner could look at us and say, <laughs> look at them church people. Look at them. They're going to church. Look how messed up they are. Look at me. And the Bible says sometimes I bless the unrighteous so I can bless you. So if we look at the scriptures and want to know why they bless like that, the Bible is saying I need to get you a job. That's why. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. Watch this carefully. Just as he chose us. You got chosen men here. Guess what we are? Chosen. God provided salvation to everybody. But he allowed our hearts to be receptive to accept the gospel. 
He knew who we will be, and he didn't leave us alone until we say, yes, Lord, come into my life. He sent grandmamas, mamas, television, radio stations, all kinds of people coming after you because he knew that you were fertile soil. He knew that you, he said salvation to everybody, but he kept chasing you. And eventually you said, yes, Lord, come into my life. He says at that moment, with the enemy named Satan, who was an adversary to the brethren, you were chosen. You were chosen. So you can look at these men and say, well, they were chosen. And God's going to look at you and say, you are too. But look at what I've done for you. Watch this carefully. Look at what, look at, stay in Ephesians for a minute. Look at chapter 3. He says, chapter 2, he says, in chapter 2, he says, I raised just, verse 6, and raised us up to be with him. Seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus. So God is saying, when I saved you, I made sure that you had every spiritual blessing. And as far as I'm concerned, when I look down at you, you live with me. You're in my hands. What does that mean? You are my workmanship. I got to keep working on you to become like Christ. I didn't just save you to inherit all these blessings on earth. What is that going to do? You can't take it to heaven in a U-Haul. I saved you to make sure that whatever blessings I give you on earth, you could take it to heaven with you. So when I bless you, I bless you to become a workmanship, verse 10. Because he who is within us, both to will and to do for his good purposes, verse 10, he said, he is a, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. Look at chapter 10, chapter 3, verse 10. So the manifold wisdom of the God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Who else is in heavenly places? Satan. Look at chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's against rulers, against powers, against world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness. Guess where they are? In heavenly places. So while I'm working on you, just like in the case of Job, Satan is going up saying, what about that guy Paul Cannons? What about this person? I can get him. If you just do this to them, they'll drop you. They got nothing to do with you. So just take this from them. Take that from them. Let their help be a problem. Let them call the elders to pray and nothing happen. Let them go to work. People get them a hard time. Just, 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 just stop doing for them. Because the person who goes to heaven and is in heavenly places, always finding his way through the seams to get there, is Satan. And that's why God says, stop stressing of what you don't have. Because it's a spiritual warfare, so I will arm you. I will arm you. You don't have the armor to fight a, 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 a spiritual being, your flesh. You can't arm yourself to fight something spiritual, so I'll arm you. And that's why you have the armor in chapter 6. In chapter 6, he tells us, I put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. I put on the sword of the spirit. I will give you the belt of truth. He's saying, what is he saying? He is saying, I dress you for war. You don't dress yourself. All I'm asking you to do is to walk right before me. I put on the breastplate. So when he shoots darts at you, I'm killing the darts. I'm asking you to walk by faith and not by sight. So when you pull up the word of God, you got a sword. Why? Why is he calling the word of God a sword? Because you got to fight the enemy. You're going to war. But I chose you for it and I arm you for this. 
Because what I do with that is work on you. How does he work on us? So we see the next thing here back in Exodus chapter 17. How does he work on us? How does he work on us now that he has chosen us? He's ready. He says, we have to confront the issue. That's the first thing we must never forget. We have to confront the issue. We have to confront it. The first thing he says in verse 9, he chose, he chose, choose men for us to go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Why is Moses holding on to that staff? It's been working all through the wilderness. He let, no, that's the first person that didn't want to deal with the staff. Now he wants that staff. Watch this carefully. Now that he says, please, please hear me. Now that he says, we, you go to fight. He's commanding him, Joshua, go to fight. What I love about this, Joshua doesn't flinch. Joshua didn't say, hey, Moses, <laughs> one second, could we pray? Could we call the prayer ministry and pray and ask the Lord? Could, could, we, could we do this? You know, go, 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 maybe, maybe we need to go and, and go to the other nations and get some armor for, and stuff so we can fight. No. Joshua, I'm going up to the hill. I'm going to stand on that hill and go fight. Joshua says, got it. You see, the first step to experiencing God's power is to take the challenge. Without flinching. When God says what to do, Yes, Lord. You find that powerfully worked out throughout Scripture. Joseph, you're in jail. Okay, I'm going to be the best jailer. Come on. David, got a light in front of you. Let's fight. You need armor, David? No, that, that armor don't work. The people who <laughs> experience the hands of God are the people who step forward. They didn't back up. Why? I've told you this over and over again this year. The minute you turn around, there's no armor in the back. You open up yourself to destruction. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37 through 39. Read that on your own time. It's right there. The minute you say, God, I'm out. God says, oh, God, you can't do that. You're unprotected. You gotta, there's only one way to go forward. Or stand. I like the way Paul puts it. I like the way Paul puts it. Paul says, I walk worthy. I stand and fight. Because <laughs> standing with all that armor on, I can't go forward. Darts are coming. So all I can do is stand. Take on the darts. Darts constantly coming. Shield. Can't go anywhere. But as days, I can press towards the mark. But I ain't going back. And there are days when God has given me strength, I can run with my mind, set my eyes, set on Christ. But there's no going back. I understand as a church, we're concerned about COVID. I get it. <laughs> but for me as a pastor, yes, all I could do is stand and forward. I can't turn and run. It's not being insensitive to COVID. It's being committed to the scriptures. That if God picked this fight, then we're just in it. The question is, how do we go forward in it? Or how do we stand? I don't have an option. 
and I'm not going to flinch. Look at what he says here in verse 10. In verse 10 he says, <laughs> I like this, the battle belongs to me, but how you fight this battle is these four things. These four things I want you to watch at how you fight this battle. The first thing you find is what I totally admire about Moses. Moses could have been all into himself now, opened up the Red Sea. Oh, man, folk walk through the Red Sea, <laughs> you know. I got this man going the wilderness. Oh, I take this rod, strike the rock, water come out. Man, this is happening. I go to this bitter water, pray over it. Water becomes sweet. People drink it. They fuss at me for food. All this is happening before chapter 17. And God sends down food because I talk to God. Yeah. No. Many of us get like that. Preachers are worse for that. God, get them a nicer building and look at us. Preachers can be the worst for that. <laughs> Some of us, God bless us. The, the last thing, that's why you see at the door there, enter into his presence. You don't see my name on no cornerstones. I'm putting my name on God's house. That's crazy. <laughs> when God to me, that's crazy. Pastor, you got a cornerstone? No, we got no cornerstone up in this house. The cornerstone is sitting out there. It's it's right there is going to be a verse on the cornerstone. And that verse is going to tell us about Jesus. I ain't putting my hand on nothing Jesus builds. You're crazy. I don't like eating grass. That's Nebuchadnezzar. I like, I'm carnivorous. I got to have me some fried chicken every now and then. I ain't doing that. The first thing you find with Moses, as Moses says, no verse for it. I'm going up to this hill and I'm going to stand. There were hills all around. Moses picked a hill so he could see his warriors fighting. And he stood there. Joshua and Ur says, and Ur, many people believe she, he is the husband of Miriam. That's what many people believe. So there's a family hook up here. And they're up on this, this mountain where the soldiers are fighting. And what Moses says, I'm going to lift this thing. What is he saying? I'm going to keep interceding while you fight. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, because we take prayer around here so lightly. You said we got a prayer vigil and folk don't come to even Bible study. I'll check the numbers. I'll check the numbers. When we had prayer vigil the other day, the numbers weren't that high on, it wasn't that high on uh, YouTube and all that stuff. We, we couldn't, a we, bunch of people checked out on us. Why? I don't get it. Please understand. Prayer is the first thing Moses thought to do. Moses, here's the first thing you do when you are facing trials and you know you don't have the strength to make it through. You know you don't. You call people to pray. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, he says, You also joining in helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf, for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. We were able to do ministry because you all came together and prayed your heart out. That's the only reason we were able to do ministry. 
The apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, was depending on people who prayed. Here's the second thing about this. The second thing about this is that Moses, on top of this mountain, is completely dependent on God. What does that mean? I'll just show you I'm trusting you, but I don't know when you're going to respond. But I'm still show you. That's dependency. Dependency on God is like jumping out of a plane in a parachute. I'm out. I got to pull the chute, but I'm going to keep dropping because I believe it's going to work. God likes us to depend on him to where God I will wait upon the Lord. He's the one that will renew my strength so that I can mount up like an eagle and soar. So until you tell me what next to do, I'm right here. Many of us are, are so influenced by our culture. Our culture is everything is now fast. Even if you don't have money for a brand new tire, you got to hook up down the street. We, 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 we got all kind of things we could get done fast. Girl, you, you do my nails, I do your hair. But we got to look good on come, come Monday. Used to be Sunday, but now it's Monday. We got all kind of hookups because we want everything fast, 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 fast. Now what does God say? I start the war. I determine how you fight. And I determine how long it lasts. And I determine how you win. So you just got to wait, pray. And guess what? It's a second, third thing. You got to fight. Joshua, go out there and fight. Go fight. How do you fight? I want you to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. How do you fight? Number one, the first thing you do when you fight is that you put on armor. I'm going to walk right. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I'm going to keep working out my salvation in fear and trembling. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to commit to truth. I'm going to commit to the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in my life. Because the Spirit is a Spirit of truth. So whatever the Spirit is illuminating in the Scriptures, whatever the Spirit is telling me to do, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not doing nothing else. I don't care how crazy it looks. That's why it requires faith. Because, folks, there's not ten fights. There's only one. It's only one fight. It's, oh, come on, man. I got this going on in my life. I got that going wrong. This going right. This going wrong. No, 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 no. The Bible saying there's only one fight. Right here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says in verse 12, he says, fight, please, on the line. Please, on the line. The good fight of faith. If it's a good fight, then there's a lot of fights. But when it's the good fight, there's just one. And he's saying the only fight I have is whether or not I will walk by faith or by sight, period. What is Moses doing? You have a covenant with these people. You promised to take care of them. You brought them into the wilderness. Matter of fact, one time Moses would pray to God and say, God, if you take them out, the whole world is going to look at you and say, what kind of God is this that would take his people out, do all of this for them, and then they die? What kind of God is that? God, you can't let this happen. Because Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, he made a covenant with us. He ain't going to leave us nor forsake us. How is he going to leave us when the Holy Spirit is within us permanently? How is the Holy Spirit living inside of us permanently to the point where he calls our body his dwelling place? How is he leaving? So how I, God, where are you? He's in me. He doesn't have to look for me. 
He lives in me. He sits at the right hand of the Father. So how could God be gone when he's in me? So the world makes you feel you're alone. But you're not. With all these soldiers around, all these different things happening, it's easy for them to say, we got daggers and little swords. We can't go do this. And God says, nope, get up in there. Fight. Why? The third thing is, you walk by faith, not by circumstance. What is God telling you to do? That's the fourth thing. How do I fight? God, what are you telling me to do here in this marriage? What are you telling me to do here at this job? What are you telling me to do here about my loneliness? What are you telling me to do as a single parent? What are you telling me to do when there's depression and discouragement in my life? What are you telling me to do when sickness persists? What are you telling me to do when a job is driving me crazy, but this is the best paying job I can find? What are you telling me to do? God, see, now that's devotion time. Some of y'all go get nice devotional books and read them. I don't. I, I figure out, what is my problem? That's my study. I got a concordance, a Bible dictionary. I got all this stuff. I'm trying to figure out, what are you telling me to do? Because once you tell me, war. Because the issue isn't the person in front of me. The issue in front of me is the issue is, am I going to be obedient to God or not? I remember my kids coming to me saying, but hey, you don't understand, man. They got these kind of shoes at school. They have that at school. They have this going on. And dad, everybody in the block got a scooter. Well, why don't I have a scooter? I said, really? My first thing was, let's go outside and see everybody on the block. And if everybody on the block has a scooter, I'm not want my kid to look bad. Everybody needs to have one, so I'm include you. Okay, Dad, you don't have to go there. I just want a scooter. Okay, now we're talking. I said, son, I'm gonna get you a scooter. I never forget this day. He said, Dad, do you promise? Yes, I promise. He went outside that door and evangelized the entire neighborhood. I said, Oh my God, that's the faith of a child. All I said was, I promise. He ain't look at my bank account. He don't even see how broke I am. You know, you, you got broke and brokenness. I don't know about that. You get, you get, some people are broke and then they broke ness. It, it's like broke, broke. That boy make me, <laughs> somebody call and say, Pascal, would you preach? Well, that times I was just working at the Bible college. Hey, would you come preach for us? Yes. I was thinking about that scooter. I wish I could tell you I was thinking about Jesus. That boy made me preach my heart out. And I bought him that scooter. And he was all over the neighborhood. Look, my dad got me a scooter. I said, no, no, son, it's your dad and your mom got you a scooter. All right, I got a scooter. <laughs> you see, folks, God is saying, when I depend on him, he is the one that has to supply. Because he promised That's what he's saying. That's why the issue is a call to faith. Look down further in Exodus. When God picks a fight, you're in his hands. You are in his hands. You're not in your own hands. 
But how you respond, how I respond, the level of trust and faith we have in God and how we respond determines whether or not the battle becomes his or the battle becomes ours. If I choose to pick up my own battle, I'm going into the promised land. I don't care what you say, Moses. Then the battle is mine. If I say I'm going to the Philistines, I don't care what God says. I'm going to the Philistines. I choose to go to the Philistines. I'm going to go to them. We're going to take them out. The battle is yours. I'm doing what I'm going to do in this house. The battle is yours. But if I choose to do it the way he says, the battle is his. Because he determined the war. Look at this. Go down to verse 12. And Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it onto him. And onto him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands. On the one side and on the other, thus his hands were heavy till the sun set. Oh, wow. I want you to do me a favor. I hope I find this scripture correctly here. But I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. That's what I believe it is. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I want you to turn there because I want you to see this passage of scripture where it says, each and every moment of every day, <laughs> please remember, we need one another. That's why God put you in a church. It's not just to come here and preach it. It's to come be a part of something great. Look at chapter 4. Look at chapter 4, verse 9. Chapter 4, verse 9. Please hear me. I'm, I'm not trying to force you back to church. But if we take for granted the collection of other people, I understand some people are sick. They can't come back. But if we take for granted the collection of people, the things that have been taken from us in COVID is fellowshipping. We couldn't fellowship. We couldn't eat together. We couldn't do it. Life application is the only time we could really come together like we have. Other things we are trying to figure it out how to do it and putting food, Thanksgiving. And we have our Thanksgiving celebration. We got to find a way to get food to people without them coming out their cars. All kind of stuff like that. See how Satan is working against us. Because the Bible is saying God has made us so that we have to have a family. If you take a child and put them in an orphanage and there's nobody but sticking food at them, they don't grow up the same way. What makes them grow up is a husband and a wife or a single parent staying there, hugging them, talking to them, working with them. This human being needs other human beings to become what they need to be. So God looks at Adam and he says, in order to carry out my plan, you can't do this alone. I need to get a wife. Then they got to build a tribe. We're not designed to do this by ourselves. What does the culture say? I got this. That's what the culture tells us. And that is our defeat. The minute you start thinking I can do this, I'm, Satan so works this thing. He makes sure you got five, four, 401ks, retirement plans, money in the bank, cars that don't break down. We ain't got hoopties anymore. We don't need to hook up in the hood. Call Uncle Craig. See, if he could hook us up with somebody we know. We got cars now. We don't have to depend on somebody's other crop to bear because our crop got eaten by locusts. We got to depend on that anymore. We just go to a different grocery store. So what do we do? Go home, lock the garage. We got this. And Satan says, thank you. I like the isolation. I actually saw this in Africa. Watching a tiger chase a group of deer. A tiger just running behind him. Just running, just running. 
The minute the small deer did this, that's the one he took. I said, oh God, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. And the person that runs off by themselves because they got this, they ain't calling no prayer ministry. I don't need all this deacon calling me. I don't need the church and all this other stuff. I've been here before. I know how to make it. And God, Satan says, thank you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says, two are better than one because they are of good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, a rich man writing here, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him. There's not a counseling ministry. There's not a benevolent ministry. There's not a prayer ministry. They're not a comfort and care ministry. They're not a life at class. They can't make it. Furthermore, and this is a rich man writing, got all kinds of servants around. and said, furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Some single folk will tell you about that. But if one can overpower him, who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Whether you think you need somebody or not, guess what the Bible is saying? You do. Moses. Moses. My Moses. Needed help. Why? Because God extended the time of the war. Because it's on God's time. He could have put up his hands. Boom. Done. He strike the rock. Water came out. Open up the Red Sea. Wow. But this one, he's got to keep holding on. Holding on. Holding on. When is this? When am I going to win? Holding on. Holding on. Ah, uh, Moses, you can't make it. You need help. When things keep extending, God is saying, you need help. That's how you experience his hands physically, not just spiritually. I'm sorry, folks. You can't just come to church and walk out the door. That's not church. And I'm not going to train you that way because it's not. What I will set you up for is failure. This is, this is, this is let's, just, let's go down here and finish this up today. Especially since um, I'm not going to be here, Lord, spare my life next week. I can't split this sermon up, so y'all keep your hands up. He supported his hands. Joshua came along. Every ministry needs a Joshua. <laughs> Got to have a Joshua. I don't care who the pastor is. You got to have a Joshua. Joshua don't blink. I love that about Joshua. He don't blink. Joshua! Standing at the bottom of the hill. Y'all ain't going up this hill. Joshua, there's like two million people trying to run up the hill. Come past it. That's the kind of Joshua's you need. You ain't touching this man up on the hill praying, talking to God. Y'all, you know, you, 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 you know when you watch this? Aaron helps them to build a calf god. Where was Joshua? He wasn't in that. <laughs> you, you, look at, you, you look at them going, going into the promised land. God, how do we do this? 
Joshua, there's giants in the land. So what? You got to have Joshua's. Only sometimes you get stuck on the hill. You don't come down. And you fail on the hill because you got nobody to keep your hands up. So you, you hurt people. You're trying. But you're growing weary. Only so long as a pastor you can keep going. You're trying. You keep going. But you can't keep going. You ah, can't keep going. But God sends you Joshua's. And Joshua's just say, what you need? The minute I see that, I jump on it. Look at what he says in verse 14. The battle is his. I struggle when we can't worship God because that means we ain't fighting. <laughs> when we, you, you know, we're not fighting. We're not fighting. You know, you know I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm, my sons will probably shoot me. But I'm going to say this. One of the ways I knew that my sons really are maturing and matured in their life and maturing, keep maturing, is the appreciation they give back to people like their mom. If you have to tell a person, respect your mom who sacrificed so much for you, who would, who would do anything for you, that person is immature. But when a person is mature, you don't have to tell them to go home and do anything. They're going to be right there because they understand the value of what was invested in them the more they get older. That's why you see mature people worshiping God because they know he is the one who won this battle. He is the one who gave me the stick. He is the one who called me. He is the one who fought for me. He is the one who took care of his people. He is the one who took care of his people when they got the weapons to take care of his people. He is the ones who watched over them when they couldn't even watch over themselves. He is the one that had to go find chosen people, less people than the Amalekites. He is the one. So now that we've won this war, oh my God, when you're in the hands of God, you see the power of God. But when you take on your own battle, you see your own weaknesses. You don't see his strength. Moses so see his strength. Then what does Moses do? I'm going to worship you, Jesus, God. I'm even going to mark this place. I'm gonna get, I don't know if it's a pole or what he got. And he took that and stuck it in the ground and marked the place. We won this war against these people. And anyone who comes into these parts of the woods would recognize God did this. Watch this carefully. In the last part of that verse, watch this carefully. The Bible says, write this down as a memorial. Guess what we have in the Bible? A memorial. <laughs> he says, oh, the Bible is the word of God. No, it tells us about this fight. It tells us about Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross. It tells us what God has done for us. It tells us about the Red Sea. It tells us what God can do when you face a giant. It tells us what happens when you stand for the truth and you end up in jail for 12 years. It tells us when you, when you have enemies who just hate you because God keeps blessing you and you're running around the countryside like David. It tells you when you are taken into a whole lot of land and people on your job are going after you like the book of Daniel is telling you what you do when you're on a job and people are cutting you in the back. And they put you in the lion's den. How do you make it? 
It's a memorial to tell you how you could make it every day because every situation in every place of our lives is written in the Bible to show us what God has done. So the Bible is saying, how could you come to the situations you're facing and not know what to do when I've given you memorial after memorial after memorial after memorial after memorial? You just don't come to me. You're not dependent on me. You're not looking for my hands. I just want my hands to bless you in the city, bless you in the fields, bless you when you come and when you go. You're looking for my hands to go to war and experience my power. <laughs> That's why we read this last verse. That's why it says that. He says, and the Lord said to Moses, write this in the book of the memorial. Most people don't think that's the Bible. But the Bible is like our memorial. And I will utterly block out the memory of the Malachite. They had no business fighting God's people. That's why I don't worry about stuff. If somebody pick on you and God did not give them permission to pick on you, God says, don't worry about them. The wicked would wither away like the grass. God says, I got that. Because I never gave them permission to mess with you. <laughs> you never see them saying that about Egypt. You never see them saying that about the Philistine. But the Amalekites, you're going to always be at war. You want to do war? I will make you have to fight war all the days of your life. And then when all them wars keep hitting on you, you're going to not be anymore. You're done. You don't want to be God's enemy. <laughs> it is safer to run to your enemies than to God, David would say, than be his enemy. And to that day, a powerful man built God an altar and worshiped God. Why? <sighs> Folks, when a person is in God's hands, red seas open, water come out of dry rocks, Bitter lakes become sweet, but you got to walk to the lake. When a person is in God's hands, they can, a person is in God's hands, they can face Goliath's lion's dens. They can be on a slave market. They could be in jail and a potter and a, a potter, a butler. And a baker come down. They could be alone in a lion's den. And God rescued them. Because God's hands are no weak hands. But they work the way he chooses. <laughs> Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your struggle is not your problems. Your struggle is you. That's your struggle. Your struggle is not your problems. The biggest struggle we have in our lives is us's. Is us's. I never look at the problem as the person in front of me or the issue in front of me as the problem. I say, God, how are you going to grow me through this? What are you going to teach me to do? What do you want me to do? What are you calling on me to be? And that's my fight. 
When you come to God's hands, it's not the problem in front of you. It's the you. Deny yourself today. Pick up the cross and follow him. Let us stand. I don't know what you face. We do a lot to keep up with you. Thanks to the shepherding ministry, the prayer, I mean, there's lots of work being done to keep up with you. But I sure would like to use this time to pray for you. But the point I ran out of time on is the biggest problem that Moses would have would be Moses. Moses would be the problem. Even as a pastor, I recognize that I could be the problem. I never just say it's a church or this. I look at me in my marriage. How could I do this better? God, if I do better, then my family's better. Whether they change or not, at least this part of it is not a problem. How can you come out of your hands today and go into his? Come forward and spend this time with me. I don't want you to miss out on life app. Oh, I hate to rush the end of this, but that's not on you, it's on me. I, I always have too much to say and because I honestly love you and I honestly care about you and I want you to understand the will of God so bad. I want you to understand how he thinks and how he operates so bad. But I'm asking you to come let us pray with you today where you're saying, God, let me start with me. How I can do better. So that I learn to walk in your hands, not mine. I don't take things and put them in the way I want them. The way I feel, because you're taking too long. <laughs> I will wait on the Lord. And keep doing what he tells me to do every day. I will walk by faith and not by sight. I will only fight one fight. And that fight would be, would I keep the faith or will I not? Come today as we sing this song. But don't say no to God. When he pricks your heart, humble yourself. Here is Moses, a mighty man of God. Recognize what God has just taught him. And what does Moses have to fight? The same issue. Moses has to fight the same issue. Moses is going to go and speak to the rock. And he doesn't go into the promised land because he got mad and threw down the Ten Commandments. Who was Moses fighting? Not the people. His own anger issues, his own problems of getting within himself. I'm available for you. Come today. Say yes to God today. If you're watching us right now online, if you're watching us right now online, I want you to just stand where you are.
wherever, if God leads you to stand, stand. At least have an act that show your commitment wherever you be. If you're not in a wheelchair or in your bed and can't move, if you are, raise your hand and say, God, can't get up and I accept that this problem keep being here, but I'm going to do what you say to the best of my ability. I'm going to search out the scriptures and find out, hey, what could I do for God where he has me? And do that. Raise your hand. As long as you can, get the outer hand to hold it. But let us, let us sing this song only a couple of times. But move today for God. Say yes to him when he speaks to your heart. Away and it ain't to say. Come, come, say yes to God. God, I will not put things in my own hands, I'll keep them in your hands. That's it. I am available to you. Let us pray, dear God. We thank you so much for the hearts you've moved on. God, I pray in the name of Jesus the Christ that you would let them experience your hands. God, I know that means they got to hold your word high. So God, I pray that your spirit will remind them of your word. God, I pray that you give them a heart to seek it out and not just to wait for it to pop in from time to time, but to seek it out so that they learn from you what the next step is. Trust you for your time. God, I pray when it becomes exhausting that they will not faint in well-doing. God, I pray in the name of Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, that God, when it's a situation where they lack wisdom, that they will pray for it and you will give it to them. But Lord, I pray that they will see victory. Bless them to see victory. Bless them to endure this time to see victory. So God, when they see victory, they learn your power, your, your ability to do so much that their faith will grow to such a high level that they will just do what you say no matter what the storms look like. So their life becomes a powerful example for you. And bless them, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Use the structure that God has given the church to help you. Please use it. Okay? The church body is what makes you stronger. Okay? Isolation does not do it. Please don't isolate. Our culture tells us to isolate. God tells us not to. Trust him. Thank you so much. You may be seated.